Welcome and thanks for joining us here at the Bethel Church Podcast. For more information about Bethel and who we are, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. We hope you are encouraged and that you find hope in today's message. As you're seated, as a child, church was a huge part of our lives. Anybody else you grow up the same way? Let me see. How many of you did not grow up in church at all? Wave at me real quick. Well, this look, I want you to keep your hands up because I want people to see. Look around the room. Praise God that you found your way to the body of Christ. More importantly, I probably said that wrong. Praise God he found you. As a child, we showed up to everything at church. Anybody remember these days? Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Choir practice at 5, prayer time at 5.30, then the Sunday evening evangelistic service, and then the Wednesday night service. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I just get an amen? Yeah, and if you didn't, that's fine. It's okay. I'm just reminiscing over some stuff right now. And then in the church, our family, we had, we had one month out of the year where we had cleaning duty. And we had pews and we had this big old canister uh, vacuum cleaner that had a long hose. Anybody remember it? And my job was to push the canister in and out of the rows while mom or dad vacuumed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then on top of that, we had one month out of the year where we had grass cutting duty. Anybody remember that? And my dad is what you call peculiar. And every single time we, had, we started our grass cutting month, my dad would lose the victory for about a week because we'd pull that old John Deere out of the shed and he'd, he'd look on the schedule and say, I'll tell you what, old so-and-so don't know how to take care of nothing. These blades are dull. They all need, anybody know what I'm talking about? You remember those days? You know, we also used to um, do, we had this, well, let, let me say this. Church members went to all my ball games. I remember even playing soccer in high school and looking out and seeing about eight or nine church members just in the stands just about every time. They were at my birthday parties. The church ate with us in our home. We all knew each other by name. There was this man named Mr. Bennett who would bring me certs. Anybody remember certs? How many of you remember certs? How many don't know what certs are? Well, for those of you who don't know, those are certs. <laughs> they started off with just the mint flavor, and then they graduated to assorted fruits. He, he would bring me candy. If, if, if I didn't want to eat my grandma's candy, that, you know, she'd buy that like value package hard candy, and she'd bring it wrapped in a napkin. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So you'd get little pieces of napkin with every piece of candy that you would eat. And those little pieces of candy that were wrapped in what looked like a strawberry and then cinnamon disc and butterscotch. Oh man, take me back. Take me back to sleeping underneath a pew and chewing that piece of bubble gum for the fourth time that I stuck there last Sunday. Y'all didn't do that? Oh. I didn't either. I just wanted to make you laugh. Okay. You know, 
Church was a really special place. One time I even got whooped by the head usher for acting a fool in the middle. And by the way, it's 2022. Don't be whooping nobody's kids, okay? You're going to get canceled, sued, and all of the above. But I was acting a fool in kids' church, and I'll never forget, Miss Sharon had to call the head usher. And honestly, I would rather have been the head usher than my mama. They couldn't get her, so they got the head usher. He came in there. I'll never forget it. I, by the way, I grew up in this church. This building wasn't here, and there was a breezeway from that building to that building, and he carried me out on his shoulder. And I told him, I said, I'm going to tell my mama and daddy. And he said, oh, you probably don't want to tell your mama and daddy. But man, it was a special, special place. But here's what I remember the most. We were a family. Church wasn't just a group of people that we saw every week. It was special. We literally called each other brother and sister. I remember being just like a seven-year-old boy and, a, and an older woman calling me Brother Daniel. And I never really like, and while you're living it, sometimes you don't understand how, some, how special something is until you look back. I didn't remember how special it was, but now that I look back and I understand what Christ has done for us to bring us into the family of Christ, I think about how special it was to identify each other as family. We would sing this song. The name of the song was The Windows of Heaven. And we'd get to this part in the song and it would go. <laughs> we get at this part, part in the song and it, and it would go like this. And that's why I'm happy. And that's why I'm happy. And everybody would get up. Hold on one second. Y'all are, y'all are jumping the gun. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> Mute his mic until he starts to sing because he can skin me like nobody else can. We'd get to this part of the song, and that's why I'm happy, and that's why I'm happy. And it was like a tradition in the church. Everybody would start walking around the auditorium. We called it the sanctuary. They start walking around the sanctuary, and they would start having deep, rich fellowship. It wasn't surface level. Hey, how you doing? Good. How's your mama? Tell her I said, hey. How's old Bill doing? Is he working hard or hardly working? No, it would be rich, deep fellowship. And I can remember, Dante, come here. I can remember seeing men in the church. And I, I hate it now because as a kid, I used to kind of, you know, kind of mock it a little bit until the Holy Spirit got a hold of me one day and convicted me about doing it. But I'd see men, they, they'd be walking to each other and they would be just normal as they could be, but you could see the Holy Spirit moving as, as they got one step close. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And the next thing you know, they'd grab hands and they'd do just like that. Anybody remember that? And they would go to praying. I mean, what we used to call it bombarding heaven. I'd see women who had been fussing with each other. Thank you, Dante. Grab a hold of each other and just sob and say, I forgive you. I forgive you and move on. We all saying we're going to try this real fast, okay? Now, we're going to go back. I know. Come on, stand up with me. We're one of those churches. I'm sorry. 
I know there's a lot of people. Can we try it? And it went like this. Sing it for us. That's the song, yeah, it does. Hold on, wait a second. Hold on, wait a second. Stop. All right, teenagers, listen. We sing new stuff every single week. Humor us for one Sunday. Sing our songs for once and act like you like it. All right, I just had to get that off my chest. I feel better. Sing. I've got joy. Joy, joy, joy in my heart. Jesus makes everything right. I gave him my old tattered garment. Sing it real loud. He gave me a robe up here wide. Watch. Yeah. Now go, go. Go love on somebody. You got to go. All right. So I'm teaching y'all a new tradition. Now keep going. When you get to that's why I'm happy, you break out and you just go love on somebody. Now, men, don't be loving on another man's wife. Any of y'all come up here and grab my wife and I'm going to grab you. And I'm going to do it in Jesus' name. Everybody understand? Singles, this is not the time. Well, you can get a phone number if you want to. Joy, joy, joy in my heart. For Jesus makes everything right. I gave him my old tattered garment. Yeah, we give it. He gave me a robe up your wine. Feasting on men up from heaven. All right, here we go. Love on somebody. That's why I'm happy. You can keep fellowship. Joy, joy, joy in my heart for Jesus. What's up, man? Hey, Jerry. Oh, you're good. What's up, baby? Gave me a Hey, I love you. Now, that's the way it used to be. You know, as we have a seat, I know some of you are thinking, this ain't what my church did. I'll never forget, I went to one of the churches that you grew up in. <laughs> and I was, this, the person singing was singing so good that I stood up and I thought everybody and, and was going to worship with them. And I thought everybody was going to stand up and worship with me. And I was the only person. And I was quickly told, it's not what we do in this church. Um, maybe you don't have the same fond memories of church as a kid, but I think all of us do want something more than a surface level show up and head out experience. Amen. And if you don't, I'm going to pray that one day you learn to crave real, deep, authentic family relationships with the body 
of Christ. I think that that is something that is special about Bethel. This morning, it's, this is Partnership Sunday, or really, I might say in reality, I want to prepare us for what is coming in the next season of Bethel Church. We are growing. We are growing in depth, and we are growing in breadth. And it's not going to stop. And I've had many conversations with people saying, one thing I love about our church is that it's, it's not so big, but that's not really a healthy thing. We should hope that we are getting after it so much. We are witnessing and sharing our faith so much that the church doors is constant. We're constantly having growth issues. But I will say this, as churches grow, there is a tendency to lose the family feel. There's a tendency for things to start to become shallow because we don't have time to have real authentic relationships with each other. And I'm standing up here and I'm saying to you, that will not happen at Bethel Church. This is a place of relationships. It's a place where you can make new family. It's a place of depth, of transparency and authenticity. A place where we can go through healing and walk alongside others who are going through healing. It's a place of recovery. It's a place where people can come home. You see, this isn't just a Bethel thing. It's a God's prescription for the local church. We know that God prescribed the local church because a good portion of the New Testament are letters that are written to local churches. And many times we read those with the global church in mind and then somehow funnel it down to the local church. But remember, the direct audience was the local church. God ordained and put into movement the local church. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul is writing one of these letters and he's talking to the church in Ephesus. They were made up of Gentiles, which basically means not Jews. And, and we'll talk about that another day. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh who are called the uncircumcised by what is called the circumcised, which is made in the flesh by hands. That's a whole nother story. We'll get there one day. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the, say it, covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I want you to see a very special word that we've deleted from our 2022 vocabulary, and it's the word covenant. If I was going to give you a title for my message today, I would title it this, From Consumer to Covenant. And to be honest, this is not really a message of rebuke for Bethel Church. 
This is a message of encouragement to move a little bit closer to covenant relationship with the people that you see right now and to keep moving further and further away from a consumer mentality where we just show up at church and demand and demand that we be entertained, demand that we be fed. When we confess Jesus as God's son and that God raised him from the dead, we are saved and we are now living underneath what the Bible says, the covenant of promise with God. But think about this. We are living underneath that covenant with each other. Why is the word covenant so important? Because God deals with men, not on the terms of dispensation, but on the terms of covenant. God made a covenant with Noah. And so that now that every time we see this rainbow, we're reminded of the covenant. God made covenant with Moses. He made covenant with Israel. He made covenant with David. And if you are saved, he has made a covenant with you. But if he has made covenant with the person beside you, you are both bound under the covenant together. Once again, I want to remind you, this is not a message of rebuke for this church. I'm not trying to call us from consumer to covenant. Many of us are going to have to make that transition or you're probably not going to feel comfortable at Bethel. I think when you look at what it means to have a covenant relationship with the body of Christ and with God, and you look at the growing trend in church today, it it doesn't look like the same thing. When we have a consumer mindset, our thoughts are this, what can the church offer me? I don't like the music. I don't like it when the short guy with the big head preaches. That's me, by the way. You ever heard the saying, the squeakiest wheel makes the most noise? Consumers don't want to contribute to the family, but yet they want the benefits of the family. The first thing that doesn't go their way and consumers are gone. Why? Because they've come to consume. The next step in in moving towards a covenant relationship with the church is this. We move beyond consumer and we move into a casual mindset. Even the casual mindset understands that the church is a place of discipleship, but the mindset is not really committed to anyone in the house. Those with a casual mindset say things like this. My relationship with God is between me and God. Yet Jesus said, love God, love others. Whether you want to admit it or not, you are caught up in the middle of a love triangle. Not like that. That the way you love others will affect the way you love God and the way you love God will affect the way you love others. And even sometimes you'll learn things from other people that you couldn't get on your own from God. 
You'll learn things from other people by walking their walk that you couldn't learn by listening to a preacher talk the talk. The casual mindset is better than the consumer, but as by and far, the casual mindset just kind of comes and goes as they please. Now, I'm not talking to you who have difficult work schedules. One step closer to covenant, and we get to what I, w- I would call a contractual mindset. We're moving closer and closer to taking a relationship with the local church in a more serious way. And on the surface, the person looks like they get it, but they operate underneath what I would call is a spiritual quid pro quo. In other words, you do this for me, church, and I will do this for you. If you will give me what I need spiritually, then I'll use my gifts. I'll use my talent. I might even give every once in a while. And I might serve a couple times here and there. But the first time the contract is not lived out, like the person is thinking, they take their ball and go home. Many of the things that God has called us to do and be, we will never understand them until we fully understand the concept of covenant. We can't, some of us can't understand what I call recovery culture. We can't, we shudder at the idea of admitting our weaknesses and admitting our brokenness and saying that we have issues. And the reason we shudder at it is because we see the person to the left and right contractually at best, but in many times it's just casual. How could I even, how could I confess my sins to somebody that I don't even trust? It's because We're not seeing the church like God sees the church. We're not seeing that we're not just in covenant with him. We're in covenant with each other. And God uses covenant relationships from Genesis Revelation to grind away at the character defects that we have. That's why marriage is so tough. I can get along with everybody except my spouse. If you're laughing, you know what I'm talking about right now. You ever been in an argument with your spouse and say, it's funny, I don't have this problem with other people. And then they look at you and say, well, it's funny, I don't have this problem with other people too. So what's the problem? The problem is you have entered into a covenant relationship where you should feel safe, where you should be able to let your hair down. And you should be able to be the real you, not the church veneered, whitewashed tomb version of you. Speaking to myself, by the way. And so you get into this covenant relationship, you really feel safe. And so you start passing gas. What I meant by that is you start saying things that you normally don't say around other people and the condition of your heart is really shown. It's without covenant. Without covenant, we're not safe to let out what we've bottled up for so long. 
contract is written based off of rules. Covenants are written based off of heart. A contract is just between two people. A covenant, like I said, it's a love triangle. It's between two people and God. Contracts are built upon suspicion and they're meant to protect, but covenants are built upon trust and they're meant to unite. Contracts have selfish motives. Covenants have selfless motives. In verse 14, he says, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing walls of hostility. This is covenant talk. You students, do y'all still say real talk? Or do you say caps? What do we, no cap? No cap, am I saying it right? This is no cap, man. Is that right? Did I, do it? Did I do it right? Is that good? Okay, thank you guys so much. This right here is covenant talk. Our peace is built on him, not what other people do in this church, but we have been made one. Who is the we in this passage? A local church that had people coming from all types of backgrounds, all types of ages, all types of teaching. And because of what Christ did, he didn't just bring you in relationship with the Father. He brought you into covenant relationship with one another. You're not like my sister. You are my sister. You've never been more my sister. My biological sister is not more my sister than my spiritual sister. You say, well, you know, it's not blood related. Well, actually, it is. The walls of hostility have been torn down. Look around this church right now, and I can tell you right now, a man did not do this. A leadership team did not do what you see at Bethel Church. It is what Christ did on the cross. What he did on the cross was to bring us into relationship with the Father, but to also bring us into covenant relationship one with the other, where a Calvinist and an Arminian can sit side by side and worship the same God. Where someone who grew up being taught stereotypes and race can get delivered and learn to love people who don't look like you and didn't grow up in the same neighborhoods as you. Where the rich and the poor can go through the same recovery process and heal side by side. How did he do it? Verse 15, by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. This is covenant talk. No caps. <laughs> and he came and he preached peace. Sorry to my kids. I know I'm embarrassing you right now. That's quickly become my favorite pastime as a parent, <laughs> embarrassing my children. There's no shame in my game. 
And He came and He preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both, we both, that both, he's talking about the Gentile and the Jew. They should be worshiping side by side. That people of completely different, even nationalities, should be worshiping side by side in a godly church. We should not be a homogenous group of people. If the church is made up of 30 and below, it's not a healthy church. I don't care how big it is. If a church is made up, and I'm not dogging church, I'm just talking to our church, okay? I'm not the pastor of other churches. I'm shepherding this church. But a church should not be made up of just white folks, black folks, Hispanic folks. We should be able to worship side by side because the walls of hostility have been torn down because we have been brought into Covenant relationship. And for those of you who are still struggling with other cultures, I think it's time to move from consumer to covenant. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. If you call yourself a part of this church and you tell me y'all's church is doing good things, I'm going to look you in the eye and say, our church. You are no longer a stranger and you are no longer an alien, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This is a real good time to look at your neighbor and say, come home. It's not about feelings and emotions. It's not something that we always feel. We will not always feel like we are at home. And sometimes it'll be the house's fault. Most of the time, it'll be your fault. Most of the time when I walk in the door of my house, I feel at home. But there are sometimes I come home and stuff's a little crazy. I walk in the door and the first thing I hear is, give it back. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've experienced that moment, right? And I'm just sitting there, you know, I, I want to pretend that Caitlin has been sitting down anxiously waiting for me to come home. And she's waiting there to flower me with hugs and kisses and maybe a little pinch on the butter, something like that. And I'm, sorry, TMI, you told me. should clear that with you first. And I walk in the door, listen to this, and I didn't get what I expected. And I, and I even have said to myself, this don't feel like home. You know, sometimes it's my job to bring home with me. This is covenant talk, y'all. It's covenant talk where you learn to stick it through with people while they're going through a season of messes, just like the Lord stuck by your side while you were going through a world of mess. This is when you link up arms and you say, we're underneath a covenant together. I ain't going nowhere. 
Some of us are so used to being abandoned and rejected that we can't enter into covenant relationship with other people because we're believing a lie. Mm. He wants us to be in covenant relationship with each other. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So our home here at Bethel should be growing more and more into the image of Christ. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. It is built upon the foundation of God's word that was brought to us through the apostles and the prophets of old. Jesus is the cornerstone. And we are being joined together. Now, I am not teaching you that the church owns you. You are not my congregant. I'm teaching you that your relationship to the church is a little more serious than consumer. It's a little more serious than casual. It's a little bit more serious than contractual. You are part of a covenant with God in the body of Christ. And what does God do in covenant relationship? Always. People that are in covenant relationship with each other, they grind. Sometimes you're hanging out with your brother in Christ and you're working on a project and that wrench slips. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then out comes I thank God. Glory. No. Out comes Dr. Dre. Okay. Unedited, non radio version. But we're in covenant relationship with each other. And without that covenant relationship with each other, we can't grow into the temple that God wants us to become. I really want you to look around this room. Whether you realize it or not, your relationship with God is going to be affected by the people that are in this room. And a lot of what God wants to do in us is through the people in this room. This morning, I'm asking, and if you've just been coming recently, like you've been here like an hour and 15 minutes and 12 seconds, I'm not really talking to you right now. But if you've been more than once, I'm talking to you. I'm just kidding. I want to have a a DTR with you. Y'all know what a DTR is? Maybe you don't. How many of you students know what a DTR is? Y'all are the king of abbreviations. You should know what a DTR is. Okay, it goes like this. It's like, you know, like you start talking with somebody. Like, you know what I mean? Talking, talking. Like, y'all know what I'm talking about. How many of you adults know what I'm talking about? Y'all still remember when you started talking to your wife? For some of you, it was called courting. (laughs) I'm getting in trouble. Okay, sorry. No, it's actually before courting. It's when you're just kind of interested, but you're just getting to know each other. And at some point while you're just talking, somebody has to muster up the courage to say, 
So, um, like, I need to determine the relationship. What are we? And what you don't want to hear is you don't want to get put in the friend zone. <laughs> friend zone is, de- guys, listen, if you've been in the friend zone for more than three weeks, just cut your losses. It's time to move on. That's this good dating advice for y'all. Yep. If they're not saved, you shouldn't even be talking. You don't operate underneath the same principles and the same values. But you have this DTR and you're like, hey, look, what, what are we? And this morning, I, I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I want to have that with everybody that comes to the doors of this church. I want to just say, hey, look, I've really, we've, we've really enjoyed talking. You're really nice. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> but I guess we, we just kind of, we're covenant people. We kind of just want to know, like, what are your intentions? And sometimes it just takes a moment to decide. This morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity, if you've never done it in this church before, to, to officially partner with this church. Now, you might have heard it called membership, but we don't call it membership because we're not a country club. Sorry to disappoint you. We could still call it membership, a member of the household of God, the local household. But we're calling it partnership because we're linking up arms together. Because how many ministers do I have in the house this morning? My goodness, we are a church full of ministers. Look at that. But a partnership covenant. And our partnership covenant looks like this. In other words, I'm going to go through these things. And if these are things that you can agree to and you've never officially became a partner of Bethel Church, I'm going to ask you, there's a QR code that'll come on the screen behind me and you can look at it with your camera and you can fill it out digitally. And there are some things that we do with partners that we just can't do with everyone else. There's some, there's some information that we give out to partners that we don't give to everyone else. But the real true reason behind this is this, is that we want you to take your relationship with the church seriously. Look at it as covenant. These are the tenets of our partnership covenant. The first one is this. I confess Jesus Christ as Savior and commit my life to following him. I will tell you this. You belong here no matter what your belief system is, but you are not a member of the church until you are saved. Salvation is a prerequisite, and that is not us excluding anybody. The church is not just a physical being. It is spiritual. You have to believe to truly belong to the body of Christ. Everybody hear me? So that's the first thing. Second thing is this. I will strive to develop spiritual disciplines that draw me closer to God. Because I'll be honest with you, it's hard to be in covenant with somebody who ain't been praying lately. Because they say some crazy stuff. I can tell you this. I say crazy stuff even when I do pray. I don't, can't imagine what it would be like if I didn't. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all quit smiling at me so big. Y'all just love seeing me torch myself every single Sunday. 
Next is this, I will attend corporate worship on a regular basis. Now I get it, schedules are, are all over the place and they're different for everybody. That, if that's you, we're not. Gotta do what you gotta do. But church attendance does matter. The Bible actually teaches us to not forsake the assembling together of the family, even so much more as we see the day of Christ approaching. And you might even say like, well, you know, I don't always get something out of it. Oh, that sounds like consumer talk. We're talking about covenant talk. Maybe your church attendance isn't so much for you, but for the person behind you. Maybe that 17-year-old needed to see you this Sunday, needed, needed you to grab them and look them in the eye and say, I love you and I'm proud of you. So yeah, our church attendance does matter. Next, I will maintain a lifestyle that is consistent with scripture. Now at first glance, this seems legalistic, but it is not. Because I'm not just talking about the parts of scripture that tell you how you should live and how you could live. I'm talking about the parts of scripture that tell you what you should do when you don't live like you should live and could live. I'm saying, yes, we will all strive to not envy, to not be jealous, to not be sexually immoral, to not be idolatrous. We will all strive to not be angry and sin. We will all strive to have the joy, to not be anxious, to not fear. But when we mess up, because we will, what it means with this is this, is that I will maintain a lifestyle. In other words, I will learn to confess my sins one to another so that I can walk in full healing. You can't be in covenant with somebody. And students, this is why I was, I was kind of giving you some side dating advice. You understand this? Like dating is meant to prepare you for marriage. And you can't date someone who's not saved. The reason why the Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, so don't be yoked together with someone who's not saved is because you could eventually come into covenant relationship with somebody whose life is literally built on a different foundation than yours. So like, if you come to me and you're struggling in the church and you're in this partnership covenant, I'm gonna automatically assume that the Bible is the foundation of your life. This is why this part is important. Next, I will seek out discipleship relationship with those that attend Bethel by serving in a ministry or serving as a member of a Bethel group. This is, the way we see people connect with others in this church is through groups and through serving. And both groups and serving are really serving. When you're in a group, you're serving the people of the group. When you're in a serving ministry, you're serving the people in that group. You're serving the body of Christ. Both are places of discipleship. And look, it takes time to be in discipleship relationships. How many of you were here for our discipleship series. We should have Paul's, we should have Timothy's, we should have Barnabas's in our life. Anybody remember that? Talk about it another day. Next is this. I will preserve the unity of biblical fellowship in matters of non-essential beliefs or preferences. 
there is a commanded blessing on unity by God. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't disagree from time to time. Disagree, you can disagree with somebody and still be in unity. But we're not running behind each other's people's back and tearing people down. We're not criticizing the pastor behind his back. We're not criticizing the pastor behind his back. Did I say that already? I'm just messing. I'm just joking. But we're preserving the unity of the church in matters of non-essential beliefs or opinions. Next. By the way, this is an unbelievably spiritual thing that we're doing right now. This is just as spiritual as speaking in tongues, prophesying, words of knowledge is spiritual. The body of Christ, the local body of Christ is a spiritual entity. Almost done. I will submit to the biblical leadership of the church and support the leaders in prayer. I'm going a little bit longer than normal, but we, I want to finish this. We say this phrase around here, everyone is a, and that's very true. Everyone has a gift. Even two Sundays ago, I preached on Ephesians 4 and showed you how the, the five gifts are meant for every single person in the church. It's not separated for just a small group of people. But as you get over into Timothy and you get over into Titus, you start seeing that there are roles of authority in the church that are different from the rest of the church. Those people are called elders or shepherds. We've given them in America, we've given them the name title. I mean, the title pastor. So while we all are ministers, the Bible does clearly lay out the concept of spiritual authority and spiritual leadership. And the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to pray for our shepherd and for the, the shepherds in the in, of the congregation. So I submit to the biblical leadership of the church. Here's the deal. You always have two. This is going to seem harsh, but I'm just laying it out there for you really honestly. You have two, you have two options when it comes to things. If you can't go the direction our church is going, you have two options. Stay or leave. But stay and complain is not a third option. Stay for a while, share your thoughts, share your opinions. Let your heart be heard in a, in a good way, in a godly way, in a loving way, in a biblical way. But if you can't get on board with where we're going, because we're not stopping where we're going, y'all. We're going to go and we're going to go with the goers. Next. I will use my spiritual gifts to serve this church and its mission to our community and beyond. And I'm still praying for breakthrough for many of you who do not believe you have a gift. That's a lie from the pits of hell. You do have a gift and God is going to use it. Next, I would develop a giving plan in accordance to the biblical mandate to financially support the local church. I won't back away from that. That's not about my salary. That's not about me trying, us trying to build a big organization. This is for your benefit. You will be the one that is blessed when you learn to submit the area of your finances to God's ultimate authority. 
finances is usually one place where people struggle a lot. Number one, last one. I am open to biblical accountability, which includes both spiritual rebuke and encouragement. Just so you know, your pastor, I just got heavily rebuked last Tuesday by someone that I have given permission to speak into my life. And it was real hard to swallow. But you know what? What's the Bible say? Wounds from a friend are better than kisses from the enemy. But I am open to biblical, which means this, when I am acting or living my way that in a way that doesn't line up with God's word and my process group leader comes to me or my group leader comes to me or my ministry leader comes to me and says, hey, I love you and you are so gifted, but your attitude has just been really rotten the past few weeks. You know what we should do? We should be like, praise the Lord. Somebody loves me. Right? You know, and the funny thing is this for me personally, I kind of always enjoyed the rebuke. Anybody here like that too? You know what I struggle the most with? Receiving spiritual encouragement for people, from people. A few years back, somebody came in there like, you're doing a great job. And I'm like, well, we have a great team. And they're like, no, I wasn't complimenting the team. I was complimenting you. And I'm like, glory to God. (laughs) And they were like, Pastor Daniel, you deflect compliments. Do you know that you can accept what I'm saying and, and give glory to God at the same time? And I was like, okay, now you're rebuking me. This feels funny. And they're like, learn to just say thank you. But... I'm open to this. Would you stand with me? They're going to put this little QR code on the screen. And if you are not a partner of the church and you want to take out your phone, you don't have to agree to it right now, but you can just go ahead and scan it so you got the link on there. I'm going to give you a, a few moments to do that. Now it might feel weird just taking your, fo- your phone right out in the middle of church. Some of y'all are thinking right now, my, 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 times have changed. <laughs> How are you going to sign a digital covenant? <laughs> As we go to where we're going, we're, we're, we're moving closer and closer to really fully understanding the covenant relationship that we have with each other. My prayer and the vision that we have for this church is that as we grow wider, we will, we will always go twice as deep. And that will mean this, that there will be relationships forged in this church that you're going to go to the grave with those covenants. I'm talking about 
Jonathan and David type relationships where you, you covenant with another person and say, sorry for my country, but I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I want to ask you this morning, and I'm about to dismiss. We just lift your hands right now and you ask the Lord to show you places in your heart that you, maybe some walls that you've built up, maybe some hurts or some wounds that have kept you from stepping more into a covenant relationship with not just the Lord, but with the church. I know many of you, you've been hurt so bad. You have what we call church hurt. Lord, I pray that you would minister to those who are hurting right now. Those who have been betrayed. Those who have had their motives and their intentions completely misportrayed, even been accused of things that they did not do. I pray that you would heal their hearts. God, I pray for those that are here this morning who have seen spiritual leaders fall and they were never able to shake it. I pray right now that you would heal their hearts. Lord, I pray for those, God, who prayed for healings and they never saw them. And their faith was even questioned by other people. I pray that you would heal their hearts, Lord. Anything that stands between us in the covenant relationship that we're to have with you and the body of Christ, Lord, I pray that you'd begin revealing it to us and begin moving it out in Jesus' name. I pray, amen. amen. Before we leave, if you're here this morning and you're not, you're not a part of the church, which means you've never confessed Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. You've never said that Jesus is God's son. God raised him from the dead. You're not saved. We're about to leave. You're not saved. You and you would just right now slip up your hand and say, I feel the Holy Spirit drawing me to be saved right now. Will you lift up your hand and say, that's me? Anybody? Anywhere? Anybody? Anywhere? I just want to make sure I see because we want to pray with you. Awesome. Look, as you go out this week, I want you to read through that partnership covenant. If you want to come into agreement with this church, you can fill out that, that and get it, get it back to us. Just hit submit. I also want you to begin loving on each other like you've never loved on each other before. We're in a covenant relationship with God and the Father. We love you guys. You are dismissed. Go love on each other. Be the church. If you enjoyed today's message, we want to encourage you to join our Facebook online community. Search for Bethel Church online for more great content from our pastors and leaders here at Bethel. Join us next week for another inspiring message.